Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, well, we're there in Luke chapter number 11. And of course, we are going through a series called Journey with Jesus, and it is a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of Luke. We are calling uh, this year the Year of Jesus. And every year should be the Year of Jesus, but we're taking this year to study the Gospel of Luke. It's uh, one of the longest Gospels in the Bible, one of the most thorough Gospels in the Bible, and we're, we're taking our time going through the themes and learning. And this morning, we find ourselves here in Luke chapter number 11, and in verse number 37, and we'll be finishing this chapter uh, this morning, we'll actually not only be finishing this chapter, we will go a few verses into uh, the next chapter, and I'll explain that to you here in a minute. Uh, but here we find ourselves uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ having a meal with a Pharisee. If you look down at verse number 37, Luke chapter 11 and verse 37, the Bible says, And as he spake, a certain Pharisee besought him to dine with him, and he went in and sat down to meet. So this Pharisee invites Jesus uh, to have a meal with him. The Bible does not really tell us a lot about the hostility of the Pharisee. You're going to see here uh, very soon, if you didn't catch it in the reading, Jesus is very hostile towards this Pharisee. Uh, we know from other times that Pharisees, as we've been going through the Gospel of Luke, Pharisees had invited Jesus in order to catch him in his words, in order to try to uh, find something to accuse him with. And Jesus invited to this meal in verse 38. The Bible says, and when the Pharisees saw it, uh, and, and I want you to notice uh, what, what's being, being done here. In verse 37, the Bible says, and as he spake, a certain Pharisee besought him to dine with him, and he went in and sat down to meet. So the guy invites him to, to a meal. He says, sure. He goes in and he sits down to start eating. Verse 38, when the Pharisees saw it, he marveled that he, referring to Jesus, had not first washed before dinner. So uh, Jesus invited to this meal, he sits down, and then the Pharisee is marveling at the fact, or he's shocked by the fact, he's surprised by the fact that Jesus had not first washed uh, before dinner. Now, uh, I'd like you to keep your place there in Luke chapter 11, that's our text for this morning. But go with me, if you would, to the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 7. If you just go backwards one book from Luke, you'll find Mark chapter 7. And I want to just give you, just by way of introduction, a little context as to what it is that's going on here. This Pharisee is marveling at the fact that Jesus did not first wash his hands before dinner. And, you know, what, what is it that's going on here, right? And, and moms, you know, you can rest at ease, okay? This is not a hygiene thing, okay? I'm not going to teach your children that they don't have to wash their hands before they eat. That's not what, what's happening here. This, this washing before uh, he ate was not a, a hygiene uh, thing. It was a religious tradition thing. It was something that the Jews had made up and added to the Word of God and added to their religion. I want you to notice there in Mark chapter 7 and verse 5, I'm just giving you a proof text of this. Here in Mark 7 and 5, the Bible says the Pharisees and scribes asked him, they're asking Jesus, why walk not thy disciples according to, notice, notice what they said, the tradition of the elders. So they didn't say, why, they didn't ask, why are your disciples not walking according to the word of God, according to what the Bible says? No, they asked, well, why aren't they walking according to the tradition of the elders? And notice the example they give, but eat bread with unwashed hands. So I want you to notice that 
this is not something that the Word of God had told them to do. This was something that their religion had added uh, to the practices. And this is something, and I don't have time to go into all these details, but this is something that was true of the Jews' religion at the time of Christ, and it's true of the Jews' religion today. They have all sorts of laws and all sorts of burdens that they have added and traditions that they have added that are not from the Word of God. And these Pharisees had this tradition of the elders, which meant that they were supposed to wash their hands uh, before they ate. But it wasn't, again, a hygienal-type washing of your hands. It was a very ritualistic, uh, traditional, religious-type ceremony that they had that they would do in order to wash uh, before they would eat. And Jesus, you know, he's like, that's not in the Bible. The Bible doesn't say that. He just bypassed that whole thing and sat down and began to eat. And this Pharisee is now criticizing him internally in his mind as a result. Go back to Luke chapter 11. Look at verse 39. Now notice Jesus' response. And again, remember that Jesus is God. Jesus knows the thoughts of all men. Uh, So Jesus, in my opinion, this, this Pharisee was hostile towards Christ, and Christ was hostile back. Because Jesus, knowing what this man is thinking, responds in this way, Luke eleven thirty nine. 39. And the Lord said unto him, Now do ye Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness. So, I mean, Jesus just comes out swinging. I mean, this guy, he, he, the guy's like, you want to have lunch? He's like, sure. They sit down. He starts eating. And the guy's like, I can't believe that he didn't do the ritualistic, traditional, religious washing of your hands. And Jesus, you know, uh, uh, knowing this, just says to this man, he says, you know, you know what's wrong with you Pharisees? Is that you may clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness. He said, you know, you are like a cup or a platter. A platter will be a dish. He said, it's like when you walk up to a restaurant and they've got the, the, the plate sitting there for you, maybe uh, backwards, you know, uh, uh, waiting for you, or the cup there waiting for you, and it's, it's upside down, and, and it looks nice and clean. I mean, it's been clean and wiped down on the outside. And then you go to eat, and you turn around, and inside is just full of maggots, and dirt and trash. Jesus says, you, 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 you really you know, want to make sure you wash your hands before you eat, but yet your inside is full of ravening and wickedness. Notice verse 4. He says, ye fools, did not he, referring to God, he says, did not he that made that which is without, the word without is referring to that which is outside. Jesus says, look, you're, you're foolish. He says, isn't it true that God that made that which is without made that which is within also. He said, isn't it true that God cares as much about your, if not more, he cares about your inside than he does about your outside? Now, don't misunderstand me. God does care about the outside. God wants to make sure that, that, the, that our outside is right and clean and our appearance is right and godly uh, before the Lord. But he cares more about the inside. And here's the truth. And Jesus taught this in another gospel in Matthew 23, that when you clean the inside, the outside will be clean also. But Jesus is speaking to this Pharisee and he's calling him out for being so concerned about cleaning the exterior, washing the hands while they're inside, their mind and their heart is filthy. And what is it that Jesus is referring to here? He's referring to the fact that they are putting up a front. 
He says, you've got this front, this exterior, looks religious, looks clean, looks nice, looks tidy, but on the inside, you're dirty. And what Jesus does is he now begins to preach a sermon to this Pharisee. And the Bible tells us, we'll see later on in the passage, that crowd begins to gather because Jesus just, you know, getting into this guy, and he begins to preach to them on the subject of hypocrisy. Notice there in verse 44, just come down to verse 44, just because I want you to see the context. Luke eleven forty-four, Jesus says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. This sermon is directed to both scribes and Pharisees. Notice what he calls them. He says, hypocrites. He said, you, you guys are hypocrites. You're a bunch of hypocrites. Look at Luke chapter 12 and verse 1. I know we're in Luke 11. We're going to finish Luke 11 this morning, and we're going to uh, go three verses into chapter 12. Tonight, we will begin at Luke chapter 12 and verse 4, but we're going to end this morning in Luke chapter 12 and verse number 3. And the reason we're doing that is because all of the, the, this passage of Scripture, Luke eleven thirty-seven 37, through... Uh, Luke 12 and verse 3 is all connected together. It all has the theme of the Pharisees and their hypocrisy. Let me prove that to you. Look at verse 1. In the meantime, when they were gathered together in an innumerable multitude of people, because Jesus is already pretty well known and pretty famous, and when Jesus starts yelling at the Pharisees, a, a, a fight, you know, a, a crowd gathers together. They want to see this, you know, this fight pretty much. And in the meantime, while they were gathered together in an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples, first of all, notice what he says. He says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, he says, which is hypocrisy. So he's preaching to the Pharisees and calling them hypocrites. And then in, in, in Luke 12, 1, he's, talking to, he can, he's still mad about it. He's talking about the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So I want you to understand that Jesus is teaching on the subject of hypocrisy. He's speaking on the subject of the leaven of the Pharisees. And what Jesus does, and what we're going to do this morning, is he gives a six-point outline. And Jesus outlines his, the sermon that he's preached. It's an impromptu sermon. But he outlines it by using three different woes, by giving three uh, different woes. And three are directed towards the Pharisees, and three are directed towards the scribes. Now, let me just explain to you this word woe. The word woe is an expression signifying something that is bad. It's, it's used synonymously in our King James Bible with the word alas. It would be like if, if somebody said, oh, no, like, I, that's terrible. That's what the word woe means. It's a warning. And Jesus gives six warnings. He gives three warnings to the Pharisees, three warnings to the scribes. And in these woes, what he is describing for us is the characteristics and the description of a hypocrite. That's the context of this passage. He's teaching on hypocrisy. And let me just, before we delve into the, the six woes, let me give you a definition for the word hypocrite or hypocrisy. It is a person who puts on a false appearance. It is a person who puts on a false appearance. And over the years, I've learned that people often have the wrong uh, definition of the word uh, hypocrisy. And what I've learned is that sometimes hypocrites try to, to use being a hypocrite as an excuse, because, you know, you'll, you'll be trying to help somebody, counseling somebody, help somebody, and you're telling them, hey, you know, the Bible says you shouldn't be doing this. 
The Bible says you shouldn't be drinking alcohol. The Bible says you shouldn't be doing drugs. The Bible says you shouldn't be smoking pot. The Bible says you shouldn't be uh, looking at pornography. The Bible says you shouldn't be committing adultery. You know, you're, you're trying to help them. You're telling them, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, and then people will, will come back and say, well, if I, if I, I don't even want to try because if I fail, that'll make me a hypocrite. That's not being a hypocrite. Trying to do something right and failing is not being a hypocrite. It's being a, a human being. You know, and if you say, well, I'm trying to get, you know, I'm trying to get victory in this area of my life and I'm not even going to try because I might fail. Well, you know what? You should try. The Bible says that a righteous man follows seven times, gets up again. That's not being a hypocrite. And people often say, well, I'm not even going to try because I don't want to be a hypocrite. That is an excuse. That's not being a hypocrite. You say, what's a hypocrite? A hypocrite is when you're not trying and pretending like you're succeeding. A hypocrite is when you're like, when you're completely failing, completely just, you know, doing everything wrong, but you're acting like everything's right. If you're saying, look, I'm struggling, I'm trying here, I'm trying to get better, I'm getting help from pastor, I'm getting help from, uh, from the church, that's not being a hypocrite, that's being a sinner. So a hypocrite is someone who is failing, sinning, doing wrong, but pretending like they're doing right. And that's what Jesus is calling out. And that's what he's calling his Pharisees out. So I want you to notice these woes that Jesus gives to these Pharisees. He begins with the woes of the Pharisees. And the first one, well, notice there in verse 41, the Bible says, but rather give alms of such things as you have, and behold, all things are clean unto you. Verse 42 gives us the first woe. He says, but woe. And if you're taking notes this morning, or if you want to jot some things down, I'll give you some, some points. But next to your Bible, if you want, you can write next, if, if you don't mind writing your Bible, underlining your Bible, next to that, first, that word woe, you can write a number one, because it's the first of six woes. He says, but woe unto you Pharisees. And he's going to give us this woe, he's, he, and pretty much is Jesus saying like, let me tell you what I don't like about you stinking hypocrites. You know, you stinking Pharisees, you're mad at me because I didn't wash my hands. He's like, you're not even right with God. You're, you're fake. You're using the washing of your hands as, as an excuse of who you, uh, 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 of something that you're not. He says, woe unto you Pharisees. And he gives us this first woe. Notice what he says. He says, for ye tithe mint and rue and all manner of herb. Now you say, what's a tithe? A tithe or tithing is a concept found in the Bible. It's a teaching of scripture which says that we should give to God 10%, the first 10% of our increase should be returned back to God as, uh, as an offering or as, uh, as a testimony to the fact that everything we have came from God. That 100% of my income comes from God. 100% of my income uh, increase comes from God. 100% of my, uh, of, uh, of my blessings come from God. All good gifts come from the Father of light. And then we acknowledge that by giving the first 10% back to God. And I'm not preaching on tithing this morning, uh, but that's what the text is about. If you're here and you're like, ah, every time I go to church, I preach on tithing. Look, that's what the text is about, right? Jesus brought it up. Be mad at him. He says to these Pharisees, Ye tithe, and I want you to notice, he's like, he says, you are very specific in your tithe. He says, you tithe mint. What's mint? It's, it's an herb. And rue, again, an herb. He says, and all manner of herbs. You say, what is he referring to? He's referring to the fact that these Pharisees, uh, you know, would, would, would grow herbs. I mean, they'd have a little garden. And they would grow these little herb plants, mint. Another, in Matthew, we're told anise and cumin. 
and, and they would grow these little plants, and they would be careful to, you know, dice them up and, and weigh them properly and make sure they separated 10% unto the Lord. And they were very careful and meticulous about tithing on even the smallest thing. He says, for ye tithe mint and rue and all manner of herb. And he says, you're very meticulous in making sure you tithe on every little herb in the garden. He says, but here's the problem, and pass over. The word pass over means you skip. You bypass. He said, you're, you're so meticulous about tithing on just the tiniest herb, and yet you bypass judgment and the love of God. In, in Matthew 23, he's pretty much saying the same thing, and he says, look, you, you tithe on mint and anise and cumin, again, referring to herbs, and he says, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law. He said, look, in the law of God, everything's important, but some things are more important than other things. And he says, you've omitted the weightier matters of the law, which are judgment and love and mercy and faith. Here we're told judgment and the love of God. You know, you say, what is judgment? Judgment is discernment. It's being able to look at a situation and not be fooled, but be able to discern properly. That's what judgment is. Love is the basis by which we serve God. The Bible says that we ought to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. And that when we love God, we should also love our neighbor as ourselves. And on these two hang all the law and the prophets. When I love God with everything and I love my neighbor as myself, I don't need a law. I, I won't break any law. Love is the fulfilling of the law. He talks about mercy. He talks about faith. He says, look, there are ways. He says, you're really good about tithing on just the smallest thing while omitting or passing over the weightier matters of the law. You say, what is it that Jesus is teaching us? Here's what he's teaching. Hypocrites major on the minors. And they minor on the majors. I mean, oftentimes, you can get and in a church like ours, where you were, were conservative, traditional Christians, and by the way, that's the right position. Amen. This is an independent, fundamental Baptist church, and we're not ashamed of that. Amen. We preach the Word of God, and we believe that God cares about your appearance. God cares about the way you live your life. God cares about abstaining from the appearance of evil. God cares about all those things. But let me tell you something. It, you, you know what's easy is making sure that the length of your haircut is the right length and making sure, ladies, that the length of your skirt is the right length. And I'm not minimizing those things. Those are all right things. Those are things the Bible teaches. That's easy to do. You know what's hard is to forgive. You know what's hard is to have patience with people. You know what's hard is to have judgment and discernment and have mercy and exercise faith. Those are the weightier matters of the law. And Jesus says, hey, you're, you're majoring on the minors. You're really good on the easy things because here's the truth. And for some of you newer Christians, you might not agree with this, but let me tell you something. When it comes to the things that God has called you to do, the easiest thing in the world is to write a check and put it in the offering plate. To write a check for $10 for every $100 you make is the easiest thing in the world. I know some of you pat yourself on the back and say, well, I don't go soul winning. I let the whole world die and go to hell. I don't serve in church in any way. But I put money in the offering plate. Jesus says, hey, great. That's the easy thing. What about the weightier matters of the law? Why, why are you passing over judgment and the love of God? Now, now, let me just say this, because sometimes people like to take this passage and, 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 and teach that Jesus is teaching against tithing, and Jesus is not. Right. You say, prove it. Well, look at verse 42. 
But woe unto you, Pharisees, for ye tithe mint and rue and all manner of herb and Passover judgment and the love of God. Don't miss this. He says, these ought ye to have done. He didn't say, you know, don't tithe and, and have judgment and the love of God. No, he says, Jesus says, look, I'm glad that you're taking tithing seriously. I'm glad that you're so serious about obeying the, the tithe commandment, that you're tithing on mint and rue and all manner of earth. He says, these things that you've done, he says, ought ye to have done. I'm glad that you tithe on, on the herb. I'm glad that you took it serious. He said, these ought ye to have done, he says, and not to leave the other undone. See, he's not saying it's one or the other. The first who said, I'm going to tithe on uh, the herbs, all manner of herbs, but I'm not going to be forgiving. I'm not going to be discerning. I'm not going to exercise judgment. I'm not going to have love. I'm going to allow bitterness in my life. I'm going to allow resentment in my life. I'm going to allow unforgiveness. That's what the Pharisees were saying. Today, the liberals want to take this place and say, well, you should love everybody, accept everybody. Don't worry about tithing. That's not what Jesus said. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, why don't you do both? Why don't you tithe on the mint and the anise and the cumin and the rue and, 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 and all manner of earth? He said, these ought you to have done, but also don't leave the other undone. The love of God and the judgment, the mercy and the faith. See, Pharisees and hypocrites like to major on the minor. They like to make a big deal. Because you know what's easy? You know what's easy is to go through some sort of ritualistic washing of your hands before you eat. That's easy to put that show out. But Jesus says, that's you focusing on the exterior. How about the interior? Where you're a devil. Where you don't love the Lord. See, a hypocrite does that which is easy, that which is showy, but not the deep and hard things of the Word of God. They minor on the majors, and they major on the minors. And again, I don't, I don't want to talk a lot about tithing, but let me just say this. Some people like to teach that tithing is not found in the New Testament. Jesus never taught tithing. Well, you're wrong. They'll say, well, Jesus never taught tithing. I'll say, where did Jesus not teach tithing? And they're like, well, he said you tithe mint and rue and all manner of our and, and Passover judgment. So he was against tithing. It's like, no, he said these ought you to have done. The very passage you're trying to prove that he was against tithing, he's actually saying, I'm glad you tithed. Just don't leave the other undone. That's what he's saying. So we see that the hypocrites major on the minors and minor on the majors. And look, you've heard me say this many times, and I'll say it again. A carnal person will take a small matter and make it a big deal. And a spiritual person will take a big matter and make it small. They'll esteem other better than themselves. They'll prefer others. They'll put others first. They'll forgive. They'll let things go. So number one, we see this first woe. The woe... Woe number one, hypocrites major on the minors and minor on the majors. But notice Jesus gives us a second woe, Luke eleven forty three. He says, woe, here's woe number two. If you want to write a number two in your Bible. Woe number two, he says, woe unto you Pharisees. He says, for ye love the uppermost seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets. Jesus has given us a lesson here on hypocrisy. You say, what do hypocrites like to do? They like to major on the minors. They like to make big deal about the small, easy things to do. What else do they like to do? Hypocrites desire admiration. They often do things only to put on a show. Jesus says, you, you love the uppermost seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets. 
You like to be given the position of admiration where people look at you and admire what you're doing. Go to Matthew chapter 6 if you would. Matthew chapter 6, you're there in Luke. Just go backwards. You go past Mark into the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. Let me quickly give you some examples that Jesus brought up about the Pharisees in regards to this. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1, Matthew 6, 1. Take heed that you do not your alms before men. What's an alm? An alm was, uh, is defined as something, it could be money or food or some sort of resource, given freely to relieve the poor. It's a, it's a charitable contribution. It's not your tithe. It's something you do to help some, somebody, an individual. That's an alm. We, we would call it giving to charity. And Jesus is calling out the Pharisees. He says, take heed that you do not your alms before men. Notice, here's their motivation. To be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound the trumpet before thee. And, and Jesus, I mean, I think he's using hyperbole here. I sure hope he is. I, don't, I, I hope they weren't literally doing this. But Jesus said, you know what you Pharisees are like? You Pharisees are like this, this person who wants to give somebody and help somebody out with an arm, but you sound a trumpet before, you know, doo 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 Everybody, everybody, let me get everybody's attention, please. I'm about to put a dollar into this man's canister. Everybody, look how giving I am, generous. I mean, Jesus says that's ridiculous. He said, that never happens. Really? There aren't millionaires who give out, you know, big checks to organizations and, and hold a press conference and make sure they get all the pictures. When they, that doesn't happen today. This is human nature. He, he, says, he says, therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the street. He says, that they may have glory of men. You say, I wonder if I'm a hypocrite. Well, do you only do things when you're motivated by people seeing you? That you might have glory of men, that you might be seen of men, that you might have, uh, uh, that you might get the admiration. Jesus says, "Verily I say unto you, they have their reward." Look at verse five. He says, "And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward." I remember growing up, our pastor would say to us, "Long private prayers." Short public prayers. You don't want to pray to show off and brag. You know, I I can't stand it. And I've told people in our church, like, you're not allowed to ask these certain individuals to pray. Because they they make prayer this show. It's their opportunity to shine. It's their opportunity to say all these things. Look, that's not what prayer is. You take prayer and you say all the things you need to say to God privately. He says, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and the corners of the street, that they may be seen of men. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. You know the guy that takes the prayer opportunity to get his little thoughts off his chest? You know what he is? He's a stinking Pharisee. He's a hypocrite. Guy probably doesn't pray at all at home. Look at verse 16, same chapter. Matthew 6, verse 16. Moreover, when ye fast... Be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces. They're moping around because they're fasting. That they may appear unto men to fast. Nobody made you fast. You're fasting. You're fasting because you're supposed to be fasting because you love the Lord. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. And, And Jesus is saying, you know what a hypocrite, you know what these hypocritical Pharisees do? They desire 
admiration. You know, I, I'm always, I'm always um, concerned about the guy that wants to get up and preach, but he won't, he won't pick up a mop and help clean. He won't, I mean, when's pastor going to ask me uh, to preach on Sunday night when he's out of town? When are you going to show up and help with the cleaning on Saturday? Well, nobody watches me do that. Exactly. When you're only motivated by that which is seen by man, I'm here to tell you something, you're a hypocrite. Hypocrites. Major on the minors. They make a big deal. Look how much I tithe. Look, tithing's easy. I tithe a lot. You make a lot. It's just as, as, as hard for someone who only makes $100 a week to tithe their $10 as it is for you to tithe $1,000 when you make $10,000. It's the same. Per- let me let you in on a little secret. It's a percentage. See how much I tithe. Okay, but how are you at forgiving? How are you at mercy? How are you at faith? How are you at judgment? Jesus, woe to the hypocrites, woe to the Pharisees. They major on the minors. They desire admiration. Here's another characteristic. Luke eleven forty four. Look at it. Woe. Here's woe number three. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He says, for ye are as graves which appear not, and the men that walk over them are not aware of them. He says, you know, you hypocrites, you know what you are? You're deceptive. And look, here's what I, I've learned in the ministry, that there are people, over the years, there have been people that my wife and I have trusted. I mean, if you were to ask us, what do you think about this? We'd be like, man, this person is amazing. This is like one of the best church members we've ever had. They're great. And you know what they were? A bunch of hypocrites. You find out the truth about them, and they're fake, and they're hurting you, and they're attacking you. They're, they're, they're stabbing you in the back. You say, what were they? They were graves that men walk over and are not aware of them. They're deceptive about who they really are. They're unmarked graves. Look, if you're going to be a grave, at least mark yourself. I'm a grave. I'm a loser. I can't be trusted. I'm a liar. I lack character. I'm this. I'm that. But to pretend that you're something that you're not makes you a hypocrite. And look, we ought to confess our faults one to another. None of us should sit here and say, well, I'm perfect. Uh, look, we're all sinners. We are all sinners saved by grace. We all deserve to die and go to hell. That's what, if we got what we deserve, that's what we would get. Look, we understand that, but you ought not sit there and pretend like you're something that you're not. You're unmarked graves. For ye are as graves which appear not, and the men that walk over them are not aware of them. Now, in verse 45, I want you to notice there's a transition. Because remember, there's six woes. Three woes to the Pharisees, three woes to the, to the lawyers, and to the scribes are mentioned as well. There, there's, there's a transition here. And, and I want you to notice it. Because you might be here this morning thinking like, I don't pastor, you kind of seem like you're kind of upset. kind of seem like you have a bad attitude. I don't really like your bad attitude preaching. I was yelling about something. Well, I want you to notice in Luke 11, 45, because Jesus, I mean, look, this wasn't even a sermon. He, they, he, he went to lunch. It's some sort of a public lunch because people are gathered around. This Pharisee's like, I want to talk to you. Let's, let's have lunch. He's like, sure. He sits down to eat. I can't believe this guy didn't watch that. He's like, you stinking hypocrites. 
Let me tell you what I've been thinking about you. Woe unto you, woe unto you, woe unto you. I mean, he's getting it, and a crowd is gathering. You know how people are. We were, we were in Fresno recently. I was preaching in Fresno. We stopped at this little park, and uh, these, the, we're looking at these ducks in this lake, and these two ducks start fighting. And immediately when the ducks start fighting, it was, a, it was like the worst duck fight I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, it's like these ducks are just like going at each other. And, you know, immediately like a hundred ducks just surround them. Seriously, like in a perfect circle, they're just like quack, 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 quack. You just hear them like fight, 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 fight. You know, I was in high school and kids were fighting and the kids were going fight, fight. I mean, that's what's happening. Jesus is just railing at these guys and people are gathering around. They're just like, what's going on? And in that group, look at verse 45, because Jesus is railing into these Pharisees, then answered one of the lawyers. So what's a lawyer? A lawyer is another religious position. A lawyer is someone who was, it's not like a lawyer like we think of today. A lawyer is someone who was an expert in the law of God. They would be, like the Pharisee would be like the leader of the, the, the congregation, and the lawyer would be like a Bible college teacher, you know? They were experts in the law of God. They taught the law of God. So Jesus just just going at the Pharisees. And in verse 45, then answered one of the lawyers. So a lawyer stands up and said unto him, notice what this lawyer says. He says, Master, thus saying thou reproachest us also. Now don't miss that. What is this guy saying? He's saying, you know, Jesus, I'm glad you're going at these Pharisees. They kind of need this. They're pretty proud and arrogant. They need to be humbled. But he says, you know, Jesus, the things you're saying, they kind of sound like you're attacking us too, the lawyers. You know, we're the lawyers. They're the Pharisees. But he says, Master, thus saying thou reproachest us also. Now, what is this guy doing? He's giving Jesus the opportunity to say, you're, you know, you're right. Hey, guys, no, this doesn't apply to you. I'm not talking to you, lawyers. This is about the Pharisees. There's a beef between me and the Pharisees, okay? I'm not talking about the lawyers. That's what this guy's hoping Jesus would say. That's why he stands up and he says, uh, Master, thus saying, thou reproachest us also. But notice how Jesus responds, verse 46. And he said, Woe unto you also, ye lawyers! So he, he's like directed on the Pharisees, and then the Lord's like, hey, Jesus, you know, great sermon. I like this, you know, fight, fight, fight. Uh, but you, the things you're saying, they kind of sound like they apply to us, the lawyers as well. And Jesus is like, oh, thanks for reminding me. You stinking lawyers. You, and he starts preaching out the lawyers. I mean, look, look what he says. Woe unto you also, ye lawyers. He's like, I mean, he's like, you want some of this? You want, you want to know, I mean, look, Jesus has a bad attitude. That's, that's what you and I would call it. It's hard preaching. He's like, Pastor, why do you, sometimes you preach you have a bad attitude. I'm just trying to be like Jesus. He had a bad attitude. These lawyers are like, well, just, just, it kind of sounds like you're, this might apply to the lawyers. He's like, it doesn't kind of sound like it might apply to the lawyers. It applies to the lawyers. You're thinking, lawyers, let me get on you. He starts preaching at them. So now there's this transition. Now he's like, focus on the lawyers. And he's going to preach at the lawyers. Look at verse 46. And he said, woe. Here's our fourth woe about hypocrisy, but it's the first woe to the lawyers. Because remember, three is to the Pharisees, three is to the lawyers. Woe unto you also, ye lawyers. He says, for ye laid. 
The word laid means to burden or to load, to put a burden or to load something on someone. He says, for ye laid men with burdens grievous to be borne, and ye yourselves touch not the burdens with one of your fingers. He says, you know what I don't like about, he's like, now that you remind me, lawyer, let me talk about what I don't like about you stinking hypocrites, you lawyers. And he says, you know, you are hypocrites. And he says, there's hypocrisy in laying burdens that you do not carry yourself. He said, ye laid men with burdens grievous to be born, and ye yourself touch not the burdens with one of your fingers. Now notice, Jesus is not upset that they are laying burdens on people. He's upset that they're laying burdens they've never borne. They're laying burdens they're not actively carrying right now. Go to Matthew 23. Matthew 23. This is hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy for someone to ask you to do something they're not willing to do. You know, I love what the Bible says about Jesus. You, you go to Matthew 23. But in Acts 1-1, the Bible says about Jesus, the, the, the writer of Acts, which is the, actually Luke, the physician... He says, let me tell you about all the things that Jesus began both to do and teach. And this is something that you commonly find in new leaders and young leaders and new leaders. You often see this with young leaders and new leaders. Especially, you especially see this with like, in a church like ours, you especially see this with new husbands. Because you know, you go to a church like ours and we preach about, you know, Wives submit unto your husbands, and these guys get these big heads. It's like, finally, somebody's got to listen to me. And they just come up with all these rules like, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do this. And I always want to ask these guys, like, do you do that? You got to get up at 3 in the morning, hand wash my socks, make me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich so that I can eat it, go back to sleep, and then have an omelet ready. It's like, do you, you do that stuff? Well, I'm the boss. Yeah, but you suck at it. Because you know what a leader does? A leader does not ask somebody to do something that they themselves don't do. I was just, I was just talking to Brother Joel. We were on a phone call, and we are talking about some of these things. And he was telling me, you know, he's a business owner, and he's telling me how he's telling his employees, like, look, I'm pushing you guys hard, but I'm not asking you to do anything that I don't do. And, you know, that's what a leader does. You know, at Verity Baptist Church, I, I try not to ask you to do anything that I don't do, that my wife doesn't do, that we haven't done. That's what a leader does. That's not a hypocrite. But the guy says, you do this. And by the way, when I ask my staff to do something, or if I ask my wife to do something, and I perceive that they're struggling with it, or that maybe, you know, it's not working, or if they communicate to me like, no, this isn't working. Like, you're not giving us enough time, or you're not giving us enough money, or you're not giving us enough this, you're not giving us You know what I do? I say, let me do it. Let me take that from you for a week or two. Let me try to do it in the time frame I've asked you to do it. Let me try to do it in what the resources I've asked you to do. Let me try to do it. And if I come back and I'm like, well, I did it. I did it, so you should be able to do it. But you know, oftentimes, you know what I found? It's like, oh, wow. I didn't realize that there was more work here than I thought. I didn't realize that, yeah, it is, that is difficult. Let me give you more time. Let me, give you, let me, let me help you. That's what a leader does. You know, if you ask somebody to do something, and it's like they're struggling with it. They're like, this isn't working. You say, what do I do? How about this? You do it. 
You do what you're asking them to do and see if you can make it work. And you might find that they're not as dumb as you think they are. That they're not as lazy as you think they are. You might just find that, oh, I'm, asking, I'm, I'm laying burdens on people that are grievous to be born, and I'm not even trying to carry them, even one time with one finger. Matthew 23, 2. This is something that really upset Jesus. Notice what he says to the Pharisees. Saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. What is that? That's authority. He says that they have a position of authority. They sit in Moses' seat. So Jesus tells the followers, look, Jesus never taught insurrection. He said, they sit in Moses' seat. They have authority. He says, all therefore whatsoever they bid, the word bid means tell, he says, you observe. He said, whatever they tell you to do, you do it. Not observe and do, but do not ye after their works. Why? He says, for they say and do not. They tell you to do things that they themselves don't do, that they themselves have never done. They ask you to do things. You say, Pastor, you know, you, you don't understand you want us to go soul winning and bring all these kids, family integrate. You don't understand. It's like, I don't understand. I have six kids. We've gone soul winning with our kids. We, we, we went soul winning with our kids before there were any soul winners. Our church today averages 100 soul winners a week, but you know there was a day when our church averaged zero soul winners a week. It averaged two soul winners a week, me and my wife and our kids. You said, what did you do? We just made it work. Well, there wasn't a lady for your wife to go soul winning. You know what we would do? I would go soul winning. When we first started the church, I would go soul winning like 20 hours a week. And then on Saturdays, I obviously don't expect a mother with children to go soul winning 20 hours a week. That's ridiculous. You young men who think that a pregnant woman with four kids needs to go soul winning for more than an hour, you're, just, you're laying burdens on people you've never born. But you know what we would do is we, I just mapped out a bunch of apartment complexes that have playgrounds. And on Saturday afternoons, we would go out. The kids would play in the playground. I'd watch them while my wife went soul winning, and I'd watch her to keep her safe. She went from building to building. She went soul winning. We made it happen. You say, oh, well, we, we commute. And listen to me. You commuters, I love you. God bless you. I'm all for you. You get the Queen of Sheba Award. But you know, my wife and I commuted from Sacramento, California, to Vacaville, California, three times a week, plus soul winning also. And I'm not saying that to say anything to you other than we've not done, we've not asked you to do something that we ourselves have not done. Because that's what true leadership is. Woe to the hypocrites for laying burdens that you don't carry. And look, as a leader, if your employee or your wife or your kids are saying like, you're asking something impossible, you know, maybe they're being lazy. Maybe they're not, you know, working hard at it. But you know, a good way for you to know that is for you to do what you're asking them to do, and then you will have clarity. Be like, I am asking you for, to do something that's really difficult. Or you might find, hey, I did it. Here's how I did it. Maybe you're not managing your time well. Maybe it's because, you know, well, how'd you do it? Well, I wasn't on Facebook half the time. That's how I did it. You know, what I'm saying is it helps you as a leader to not put burdens on people you've never carried, to not ask people to do things you've never done. And sometimes people will do things, and I'll tell, them, I'll tell them, look, God bless you. If you want to do that, God bless you. I just want you to know, I'm not asking you to do that because I've never done that before. I don't know how that's going to work. That, that's just called being transparent and not being a hypocrite. Go back to Luke chapter 11. He's talking to the lawyers now, and he says, woe number four, you hypocrites, you're, the, the hypocrisy of laying burdens that you've never carried. You've never even tried to carry. 
You've never even tried. To, he's like, you don't even pick them up with one finger. You won't even try. Then he gives you the fifth woe. Look at Luke eleven forty seven. He says, woe. It's woe number five. Second woe for the lawyers. Honoring the prophets is what Jesus is talking about while fighting against the prophets. Look what he says in verse 47. Woe unto you, for ye build the sepulchres of the, of the prophets. What is, what is the sepulchres of the prophets? It's, it's the sepulchres. It's where the, the prophets who have died are laying, their, their tombs. He says, you know, you lawyers, ye build, and the Pharisees too, ye build the sepulchres of the prophets, and your fathers killed them. He's like, you guys build up these these, these sepulchers, you make them all nice, you turn them into a tourist attraction, you make sure they're clean, they're washed, they're taken. He's like, but here's what you failed to tell people, that it's your spiritual forefathers who killed those prophets. And, and, and this is what Jesus is saying. If these prophets were alive today, you'd kill them too. He says, woe unto you, for you build the sepulchers of prophets, and your fathers killed them. Verse 48, truly ye bear witness that ye allow the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed killed them, and ye build their sepulchers. Therefore also, said the wisdom of God, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them shall they, uh, they shall slay and persecute, that the blood of all the prophets, which was shed from the foundation of the world, may be required of this generation. Look, how you treat a prophet of God is important to God. Look what he says in verse 51. He says, from the blood of Abel. A Abel, we're talking about literally the son of Adam and Eve. This is the first documented person that's referred to as a prophet in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, Abel. Because Abel was killed by Cain. That's the first prophet that was, that was martyred. Notice what Jesus says, verse 51. From the blood of Abel unto the blood of Zacharias. You say, I don't know a lot about Zacharias. Here's what you need to know about Zacharias. He lived chronologi chronologically towards the end of the history of the nation of Israel. The book of Zacharias towards the end of the Bible, and he lived towards the end. And Jesus is saying, look, from Genesis, from the beginning of your history to the end of your history. And it's funny because he says Abel and Zechariah, and he's saying like from A to Z. From Abel to Zechariah. He says, for the blood of Abel unto the blood of Zechariah, which perished between the altar and the temple, verily I say unto you, it shall be required of this generation. And here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying it's hypocrisy to honor the prophets while fighting against the current prophets. Because what were they planning on doing? They were planning on murdering the greatest prophet of all, the Lord Jesus Christ. They, they, they murdered John the Baptist, who was a prophet of the Lord. And Jesus says, you know, it's hypocrisy for you to honor these old prophets while actively working against the current prophets. And, you know, whenever I think of this, I, I, the only application that I can, I mean, I can think of a lot of applications, but the main application that comes to my mind is what we often refer to as the old IFB. And obviously, we're, we're independent from Baptist uh, churches. We're independent, but churches tend to you know, group themselves with other churches of like faith and practice. And the churches that we associate with have been referred to as the new IFB. But you have this other group called old IFB. And you know, the old IFB, they hate us. They, you say, why do they hate us? Be because of our bad attitude. Because we preach against the Sodomites, because we preach hard, 
because we're zealous soul winners, because we preach against dispensationalism and repent of your sins. We preach all those things. But you know what's funny? Here's what re- you said. Does it bother you that the old life hates you? It doesn't bother me that the old life hates me. But you know what really just upsets me? Is when these old IFB preachers who never stand up and say anything controversial, never stand up and say anything direct, never lead great soul winning, they stand up and they just talk about how amazing Jack Hiles, you know, a preacher from, the, from, from back in the day who's now dead. They, they just love Jack Hiles. They just love Curtis Hudson. They just love Lee Roberson. Here's the thing. I love Jack Hiles. I love Curtis Hudson. I love Lee Roberson. But you know what makes me want to throw up in my mouth is when these guys who are nothing like Jack Hiles, who are nothing like Curtis Hudson, who are nothing like Lee Roberson, they want to act like, oh, they're amazing, they're great. They want to honor those men while attacking us who are actually like those guys. What you like about those guys in the 70s is what you don't like about us in 2022. And if those guys were alive today, they wouldn't be hanging out with you. Because you're lame and you're weak. They'd be preaching against you. And your forefathers attacked them back in the 70s and 80s, and you're attacking us now. Look, there's no new thing under the sun. This is what Jesus is saying. He says, you honor the old prophets while attacking John the Baptist, the current prophets. So he says that's hypocrisy. And then in verse 52, Luke eleven fifty-two, he says, woe. Here's woe number six. Last woe for the lawyers. He says, woe unto you lawyers, for ye have taken away the key of knowledge. Ye entered not in yourselves, and them that were entering in, ye hindered. You say, what's the, what's the modern-day application for this? You know, the moder- in my mind, the modern-day application for this is, is the hypocrites down at YouTube. You know, YouTube has deplatformed preachers like me. You know, obviously, a lot of you guys are aware. We, we, had, a, we had a YouTube channel like 20,000, 23,000 subscribers. They just deleted won't allow us to put our Bible messages, just the Word of God. Won't allow us to be on, on, you know, to use the social media platforms. Not just me, other pastors, Pastor Mejia, Pastor Anderson, obviously lots of Pastor Shelley. And Jesus says, look, you have taken away the key of knowledge. Ye entered not in yourselves, and them that were entering in ye hindered. You know, the, the Pharisees of the social media, of the cancel culture of today, that's what, they don't want to get saved. They don't want to take the key of knowledge. They don't want to hear biblical preaching. They don't want to learn what the Bible says. But those that are entering in, they hinder as well. Because they don't want to hear preaching. But, you know, we use, you know I, I would preach a sermon, just, on, just a regular Sunday morning sermon on YouTube, and in a week I'd have 1,000 views. Some of our videos had 200,000, 300,000 views. There were people that were interested in the things of God. But you know what YouTube does? They say, no, we don't want anybody hearing the truth. Like they themselves, they themselves have taken, they've taken away the key of knowledge. They entered not in themselves, and they are hindering those that are trying to learn, trying to enter. That's exactly what the Pharisees, and again, there's no new thing under the sun. The Pharisees were the YouTube of Jesus' day. They were trying to cancel culture Jesus. They were trying to cancel culture John the Baptist. They were trying to stop the truth from spreading. He says, you have taken away the key of knowledge. 
He said, you know what's hypocrisy? Is that ye entered not in yourselves, and them that were entering in, ye hindered. You said, I don't like your attitude. Well, you wouldn't like Jesus either. He made sin exceeding sinful. And look, when it comes to sinners, we ought to obviously be loving and caring. We, we've, we've trained 100 soul winners in our church to go out in this community and knock doors and find people that are hurting and need the gospel preached to them and preach the gospel to them. But when it comes to these religious false prophet, when it comes to hypocrisy, it upset Jesus and it should upset us. Look at last couple of verses there, verse chapter 11. And as he said these things unto them, the scribes and the Pharisees began to urge him vehemently and to provoke him to speak of many things, laying wait for him and seeking to catch something out of his mouth that they might accuse him. We're going to deal with those verses tonight. But look at Luke chapter 12 and verse 1. Because the context continues. And I just want you to see this real quickly. And in the meantime, you say, what does that mean? Because remember, he's just laying it into these guys. And while he's preaching these things, all the ducks are gathering. Fight, 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 fight. You know, they're just like, what's going on? And in the meantime, when they were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples, first of all, beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Jesus says, I've been preaching about hypocrisy. These six woes have to do with hypocrisy. And I want you to notice that Jesus brings up this. He says, beware of the leaven. What's leaven? Leaven is what we would call yeast. And leaven all throughout the Bible is a representation of sin. If you, I won't take the time to go through it, but if you go from, from Genesis all the way through... Leaven is a picture of sin. If you remember during the Passover, they were supposed to get all the leaven out of their house. They were supposed to remove all the leaven. They were supposed to eat unleavened bread. The Bible taught in the New Testament, leaven is used as an example of sin. And, and what's interesting, you say, why does the Bible use the, uh, the, the leaven as a picture of sin? Here's why. Because yeast rises. It grows. The problem with sin is that it's like leaven. If it's not dealt with, it grows. And Jesus says, look, he's like, they're like, all these people are gathering together. They're all saying, fight, fight, fight. Jesus, why are you doing this? Why are you so angry? He's like, you know why I'm so angry about, about hypocrisy? Is he says it's because it's like leaven. When unchecked, it will grow. And let me tell you something. Any hypocrisy in your life will spread. People get this area, like, oh, I'm going to be right with God in all these areas except this one little area. This one, I'm just going to be a hypocrite in this one area, and I'll be right with God in every... No, you won't. Sin is like leaven. Hypocrisy is like leaven. It grows. And any unchecked hypocrisy in your life, I'm here to tell you something, it's going to spread. Like yeast, like leaven, it will grow. So Jesus says, just as we finish this morning... Any hypocrisy in your life is like leaven, it will spread. And then he says, here's why you don't want to live a life of hypocrisy, because any hypocrisy in your life will eventually be revealed. Look at verse 2. He says, for. The word for means because of, referring to this context of the leaven of the Pharisees. He says, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which ye have spoken in the ear in the closet shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. 
And you know, this is a phrase that is used by Jesus in multiple times. And sometimes it's used in a positive way. Like we should not hide our preaching, but we should proclaim it in the housetops. But here it's being used in a negative way. That that which you proclaim in secret that's wrong is that, you know, God's going to reveal it. Nothing is hid from the Lord. Any hypocrisy in your life will eventually be revealed. What is covered will be revealed. So Jesus says, you know what the best thing is? is to live a life of transparency. And that doesn't mean that we walk around telling people, let me tell you all my problems. That's not what that means. It means that we walk humbly, that we try to do it, but we also don't put on this show that's not a real thing. We don't put on this facade. We, we try to walk humbly before God and amongst men. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the Bible. And Lord, I realize that this passage of Scripture is kind of a harsh passage, and we've seen some other beautiful stories, of course, in Luke, like the Good Samaritan, where Jesus is very compassionate. Um, but in this passage, he's, he, is, he is coming down hard on hypocrisy. He's coming down hard on these Pharisees and these lawyers. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to learn that these false prophets, the Lord Jesus Christ, did not, did not go easy on them. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to, to not go easy on false prophets and where these things apply in our lives, help us to fix them and help us not to live lives of hypocrisy. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to have uh, Brother Matt come up and lead us in a uh, final song. just want to give you a couple of reminders. Uh, first of all, I want to encourage you to come back tonight, 6 p.m., uh, for, for the evening service. And the evening service is different than the morning service, and we have an exciting service lined up for you tonight. I like to call the second